quit being the world's best kept secret. Your time is now. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone. It's Deborah Kozowski here, and we're back for another Millionaire Woman show where we talk about life, leadership, and business. Today, I have a special guest and dear friend of mine. Heidi Dunson is the grief advocate and educator who helps people learn what to say and not to say to someone who is grieving. Now, Heidi learned firsthand after losing her husband unexpectedly that many people never learned how to grieve and often say things that miss the mark or they say nothing at all. This leaves people to grieve in isolation, which is the furthest from what many need. Heidi is an international best-selling author and her book, A Legacy of Loss, Grief Leaves a Lot of Holes in Hearts has just launched. Heidi has yet to find someone immune to death, which means that we will all have to face grief and has created a lean into grief movement where those who follow her get her tips on things to say, support those who are grieving so we can connect while grieving. And I have to say, Heidi, thank you for coming to the show. It's a wonderful delight to have you here. And I've been watching your posts and the tips and techniques of how to speak to someone who's grieving it are so powerful because I do find exactly what you have in your bio that people do have a loss for words and they don't even know where to start. So what does grief only happen when someone dies? Sadly, no. Most of us are walking around grieving over these last 18 months with COVID. Um, the restrictions, the inability to do, to do the things that we love, the inability to connect. Many of us are walking around grieving because we're not getting to do the things that we love and that, that fill our cups. But it could be the loss of a job. It could be the change in finance. It could be a change in health. When we, can't, when we see those changes, that there is grief there. And so it's not just that. We see loss in loss of miscarriage. We also see loss in um, even a child with a disability being born. Parents will grieve the loss of having a healthy, normal child. Um, we have a loss of a dream. You know, sometimes we lose people that maybe weren't as, as kind to us as we'd hoped. You know, many people have parents that weren't the parents that they deserved. And so they may be not lose have a, a grief around that loss of the person but we may have the grief of the loss of what we thought we deserved so there's grief in lots of different places when you talk about you know what we deserved and the, the first word that came to my mind as you were saying that is when it comes to grief I think sometimes we have an expectation around how people will respond or what we expected of a certain person or our dream of the job and having that taken away and not seeing it as a gift, especially not at the time. Can you speak a little bit more to expectation and loss? 
Oh, it's everywhere. I mean, expectation makes such a big impact, um, especially when a loss is unexpected or a terminal, a, a terminal illness gets diagnosed for somebody who is like an avid health freak, you know, a big runner and they get diagnosed with a terminal illness and people have these expectations like that shouldn't happen to somebody like that. Or, you know, we, we often even say only the good die young, right? We have these kind of innuendos that we have in our life. And, and the hard part with grief is that grief is also as individuals, our fingerprint. And so there's a lot of expectation of what it's supposed to look like. And yet we all move through grief and loss so differently. And so that's kind of the hard part about grief is that because it is so individual, it's not like there's a textbook. This is what grief should look like. And so we even have expectation about what it looks like. And, you know, media is changing a little bit of that thought. It's changed a little bit in the last few years, but there's a lot that can happen. And one of the things I find is that when we release judgment and when we, we release some of our expectations, it can help us to move through some of those emotions. And those emotions aren't easy and they're not comfortable. Some of them can be extremely painful and we're not a society that loves to be in pain. We like those quick fixes and with grief, there isn't a quick fix. And so, you know, because somebody's lost a person or they've lost a job, whatever that grief looks like, mm -hmm. it's not just a, hey, let's fix it. And so a lot of people feel quite unsettled for a long time and that's not a normal feeling either. So there's lots of expectations and judgments that it should be quick and easy and it's not. So it's not something that people are really accustomed to. Thank you, Heidi. You know, it's very interesting because I think of people who've had maybe high paying positions or they had their dream job or that lead athlete. And then when that part of the career is over, um, there's a loss of identity for many of them. Um, it could be, you know, I recently and, and I, I know it's a transition, but it's also a little bit of loss. My youngest um, has gone to university and moved out of home and uh, it feels weird. I know he's a phone call away, FaceTime away. I've done both, but it just feels weird to not have him come in my office and take my latte and <laughs> drink it down just because it's mom's, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I guess I never thought of it as being a form of grieving too, because some of these transitions, um, you know, it's kind of a loss of what was, but now I'm creating a new chapter, right? A new connection and a new meaning to what that looks like. Empty so, nest syndrome is totally agree. <laughs> I got totally two more is. home. I got two more home. So <laughs> I'll slide slowly into that. Um, Heidi, would you be willing to share your story of grief with us? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a number of losses. I've lost my grandfather at 15. I lost my father at 17. My grandfather was an amazing man. He was really a big connector in our family, really fair, just a beautiful spirit. It was a big loss for me. I lost my dad, who I, I didn't have a great relationship with him. So I really did experience that. Um, I, I grieved the loss of what I thought I deserved. I deserved a good dad. I, I had hoped that he'd honor be honorable and stand up for what and acknowledge what he had done. Um, so I, 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 I lost that dream. And then losing Mike was unexpected. 
Um, it was two days after Christmas. It was the day before my 40th birthday. I had no idea that he was struggling with some um, heart issues that he wasn't dealing with. Um, his doctor had asked him to see a cardiac specialist. He, he declined a number of times. And yeah, we were coming home from Costco and he had an episode and it was fatal. And that day literally changed my life in the course of an hour. From the time I called 911 to the time of, time of death called an hour later, my life was completely different. And even though I'd been through grief and I'd done a lot of personal development work, it really rocked my core. It really made me wonder what my purpose in life was, why I was left behind what I was supposed to do. Like I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't imagine what it was supposed to be like without him. I, I knew that there would be a time and I'm not oblivious to the fact that we're all going to die, but I, I really thought we had a lot more time and I'd only been with him for four years. So there was still so much left to do. And so as a young widow, there is that grief of you lost your person. And so eating is different, watching TV is different, sleeping is different, every routine is different, to want, moving through life and going, I wish he was here to see this, or he would have loved to do this, or, oh, I was so looking forward to taking him to do this. Like, you have all these different mixed emotions, because there's still so much left to do when it's a new relationship. And so grief is I call it a 10 ticket ride. It's a crazy train. It's a crazy train ride, 10 coupons, and you don't get the chance to get off. Um, and it takes you where you want. It, it is not just an emotional process. It's a physical process. I, I struggled with sleep. I struggled with anxiety. I struggled with fear. Um, I struggled with memory loss. I lost 30 pounds in three months. Um, significant changes. My hair was falling out. Um, widow's brain or grief brain is a real thing like I was finding my car keys in the dishwasher in the mail in my in my freezer and one day I tried to go to work and I realized I didn't have pants on um like there's lots of weird things that just happen and you you don't know really till till you're in it that you realize how chaotic it is um and then grief also comes with secondary grief so you know I went from a double income to a single income overnight so financial loss and having to figure things out. Um, and as an entrepreneur, that's, you know, you don't work, sometimes you don't get paid. And um, I lost some friends. I wasn't the same person after I lost Mike and some of them really struggled in grief. Um, and so some of the people who I thought were gonna be there weren't there anymore. So those were big losses for me and financial and, and friendship losses or relationship losses can be really significant. Um, and then also just trying to figure things out. We didn't have all his affairs in order quite yet. And so having to manage all of that and manage, you know, you have to make some really significant decisions like burial, cremation, where are you gonna spread the ashes? Are you gonna bury the ashes? Like there's some big decisions that need to be made early on. And it was, it was a journey. And, you know, I learned in that journey that so many of us are not equipped to deal with this and it's because it's just not talked about and so it was probably about nine ten months ago that I said hey we need to start doing things a little different we can't just send all these grievers to counseling in little private places like this is a normal conversation and it needs to become normalized and yeah. um, 
Mike always knew my childhood dream was to write a book. And so even though he's gone, he's still helping me make my dream come true, which is, I think, a beautiful part of grief in my story. So there's beautiful parts of grief, too. And there's some really hard parts. And I'm grateful that I had him. Gratitude was a big part of my healing process. And um, I'm grateful that I've got the tools that I have and the personal development work that I've done to get me where I am today, but it's not an easy journey for anybody. And it, it is a lot easier to do when you've got people around you that are embracing you so that you can uh, move through what you need to move through without any judgment or expectations. Heidi, what is the greatest lessons? Give me three lessons that you've learned about living moving forward. Tomorrow's not promised. So live for today, um, practice gratitude, because it'll get you through most of the darkest days and tell the people that you love, that you love them every day. I don't hang up the phone once without telling people that I love, I love them. Beautiful. So when it comes to, you know, we, we talk about living, but why is it so hard to navigate grief? I think one, because it's not taught to us. Um, it's not something we talk about. Um, two, because we live in a culture that doesn't, isn't comfortable with pain. And so we're not really equipped with it, even though it's all around us. Um, and so we want that quick fix and grief isn't a quick process and it's not a linear process. And so, you know, it, it comes in waves. We don't, we don't have any control of when those waves come. You know, I know that you know, I thought, hey, I got to go get groceries. And all of a sudden our song is playing in the grocery store. And then the next time I'm, you know, driving by the milk, pushing the cart by the milk. And Mike drank four liters of organic homogenized milk every two days. And I don't drink milk at all. And I was just, I lost my cookies. Like I was really emotional. And I learned early on in, in my grief process, that those, those abandoned half full carts aren't because people forgot their wallets. It's because they needed a, a moment and they had to head to their cars, which I found was my safest place to, to cry. And um, so when we can lean in and, and see those moments and see other people grieving, but so many of us have to do it behind closed doors in safe places fear, in fear of being judged or that there's expectations around what that's supposed to look like. I, I think that there's a lot that needs to to be normalized and we're starting to see it in our our tv like virgin river shows a, a young widow um there's a, a number of shows that are starting to show more than just the death scene they're starting to show people moving through grief and that it isn't just you know a quick fix it isn't that you stay at home for a week and then you're over it it isn't just the funeral's over and so we're starting to see some of that and i think that's healthy I think um, people need to understand it. But I think, you know, one of the things I find is that when we see grief in everyday life, we can actually address it a little differently. And we do see grief in everyday life. When somebody announces that they've got going through a divorce or even when somebody says, hey, I'm graduating high school, there's a grief there, there's a safety, right? Um, little kids grieve all the time. Um, when a kid lose a, loses their pet rock or a balloon floats away, there's grief there. And when we can work our grief muscles and support them and say, hey, I see that you're hurting. 
um, it'll help us to, to be able to support grief and support ourselves in grief because we'll start to acknowledge those uncomfortable feelings that we have within ourselves. You know what, as you, as you were speaking, when you talked about the kids losing the balloon, how do kids and adults process grief differently? Kids, kids have a bit of an innocence to it. it. It really depends on age as well, right? Like little kids, um, they some, some of them can be quite sensitive and, and really feel it. And some of them, they continue on their way and you see spurts of it and you see the questions and the trying to understand it. Um, older kids, they, they definitely feel it differently than those young toddlers and teenagers, right? They know that their person is gone. Um, and I think also how their parent handles that grief makes a big difference, right? Um, usually using the language around it. Some parents say, hey, daddy's sleeping. Well, you know, all of a sudden it creates a fear for a child to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so putting that normal language of, you know, daddy was sick and daddy died um, makes a big difference. And even, even acknowledging like sometimes kids really do well with giving, being given an item like a memorial item. So something like if dad always wore a ball cap, letting him have dad's favorite ball cap or a t-shirt or whatever, they really find um, support in those physical tangible items um, so they can move through it. Whereas lots of times with, parent, with adults, we move through it in terms of the emotions. We feel that void, we feel that loss. Um, I believe grief is love. And so we're trying to find a new way to love our person because they're not here. You know, I just read a, a widow story the other, the other day on Facebook where she just said, like, I, my husband did all the cooking and I pulled out the roast and got everybody ready for school. And four hours later, I realized the roast didn't get started because he's not here. And, you know, so you find these spaces where those normal routines are, are different. And sometimes we move into those normal spaces, even in, in months or years after grief, it's quite fascinating. So our brains move through grief in different ways and different spaces. Some people are able to deal with it right away. Some people have delayed grief. You know, I have a friend who was like, my husband died, I'm out. I'm gonna go travel for years. And she had to come back and do the work. I met her at counseling and she was like, it's been seven years that my husband died, but I couldn't deal with it then. Mm. whereas I was like I need to deal with it now and both ways are healthy they're based on what the person needs so that's where that expectation play, plays into to it and just expect accepting people where they're at right very different experiences and I was um, thinking back and I was sharing with you earlier like one of my first experiences with death was a, a relative and uh, I was eight and they were 16 and I remember actually when the way I process it I drew a picture of him I remember drawing a picture of him and then uh, the next very significant death was my first year of university when one of my grandparents died it was my first grandparent to die and I remember I was in the midst of final I remember going to them not remembering anything that I was doing because I was as soon as my last final was done I was heading to the funeral and I actually, one of my tangible items, and that, you know, I'm not little, but one of my tangible items is to have the cross that they had above their table. So that when anybody comes over that that cross is, you know, up above us 
And uh, we, oh, I always have entertaining like Thanksgiving and Christmas and all these festivities full of people because that's what I remember of them. And I like to carry that tradition. So it's interesting, you know, which ones, you know, like loss comes in so many different forms that we talked about, but the one that we associate grief most with is often a death of a, of a loved one or a friend and that there's so many different losses that we need to navigate. We have people, you know, losing limbs, losing pets, like you said, you know, losing the balloon, something that was significant or treasured. And, you know, what do you say? Like, what are some of the things to say to someone who's grieving? Like, I know it's very individual because I might not see something as a loss. I might right away see the gift. But for some people, it takes a while before the gift is even witnessed. So I'm really curious, what are some of the things that you teach people to say? One, I often, I avoid using the, the question, how are you? Um, grief often, and I, I've kind of tried to avoid it in all my conversations now, because you just get the generic, I'm okay, fine, or good. And so I often say, how's today? Because grief leaves us li living in the moment. Mm. Um, and so people, it kind of opens that door to say, I haven't slept, I haven't eaten, I'm exhausted, um, I missed them, I just want them back. Oh, you know, and that could be in, in, in any kind of loss, right? It could just, it doesn't have to be about just somebody passing. Um, I often want to just simply say, that's a significant loss. I really want to acknowledge that I see you. I see your pain. I see that it makes, that you're hurting. Um, we're not comfortable with that. That's a lean in question, a statement. I see you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't, people often say that's when I want to run away. And that's when I often say that's when you need to lean in. When you feel that urge of I'm going to back away now, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. That's when I encourage people take that step forward and make that statement. And sometimes it's okay to say, I, I don't know what to say. I just want to be here with you. Mm -hmm. um, this week is suicide prevention week. And I just posted on Facebook, on my personal Facebook, like, the Eeyore, Pooh, and Piglet story where Eeyore, Piglet, and Pooh realized that Eeyore hadn't been around much. And so they went to check on him. And sure enough, he's like, I'm, I'm not very good company right now. And I didn't think you'd want to be around me. And there's nothing you can say to fix it. So I thought I'd just be by myself. And they said, we'll just sit with you. And they had nothing to say. They didn't have to do anything, but they just brought comfort. And, and it helped him to ease some of his pain. And Something like that simple childhood story of just being there with somebody makes such a big difference. And it, it truly does. I remember in my early months, a friend just said, why don't you come for a sleepover? We can watch movies, we'll make you dinner. And it was just nice to have company because the weekends and the evenings were so hard because that's when I spent my time with Mike. And, you know, when we can lean in and just hold space without judgment and without expectation, it doesn't matter if they're three months into their grief journey. It doesn't matter if their grief journey is their dog. It doesn't, if we can just say, Hey, you know, it's been two years, but you're hurting today. I just want to be with you. I don't want you to be alone. It makes such a big difference yeah. and holding space and hearing people really does make a difference. And when we, 
you know, when it is a loss of a person, saying the person's name, sharing a story or asking to hear stories, that's, it, it allows that person to be able to hear their person and bring them back into this world with others rather than just on their own. It can comfort hearts and it doesn't work for everybody. Sometimes just asking, hey, what, you know, how can I best support you? Um, I avoid even things like, at least you still have. I avoid things like um, they're in a better place. I often even avoid faith conversations like they're with God now because if somebody was had a strong faith, sometimes their faith gets rocked. And so I wait to hear what they say. And I, I lead off of that. So, you know, I have a friend whose husband died of ALS and I wasn't comfortable saying, at least he's not suffering anymore. But when she did, I knew that she was in that place because lots of times, you know, people will say, at least they're not suffering well, it means I'm suffering. It means that person is suffering because their person isn't with them. Until they get to that place, it makes a big difference, right? Yeah, I love how you say, you know, watch for the guide. The person who is grieving will guide you. Mm -hmm. I often even avoid asking how they died because guess what? It doesn't matter to me. And there's lots of deaths that come with stigma like addiction or death by suicide. Um, or a murder some of them can be really really traumatic events and all of a sudden you're making that person relive that moment and so I wait if they're willing to share that story with me I'm, I'm open to hearing it but I don't usually ask if anything I will ask if it was expected mm -hmm. um, it wasn't an expected loss and because that'll give you some information like hey they've been down a journey um, but if it was unexpected you can also in, in those early days and weeks see the the trauma and see the shock and um, not that you don't you still have shock in, in an expected loss but it can be a little bit different it can look a little differently yeah Heidi recently I about a couple months about a month ago I went with my kids to um, a celebration of life for a young person and I learned a phrase called itchy go itchy and it is all about being in this present moment as if it was to never become again. Like our conversation right now, it will never be the same after this moment. So we need to make sure we're embracing this moment. And it really, you know, I thought, wow, for such a young age to be so intuitive to this phrase, one, I was just amazed. Two, that I knew it came into my life so that I could, I had it on my blog and, you know, to have it here today with you about one of the biggest things that you're sharing with us is the importance of presence, of being present with the people in our lives and truly hearing them, no matter what loss they're going through. And it comes back to your words, Heidi, I see you. And, you know, there's some moments where, you know, even like, let's talk about the pandemic here just for a moment. Although, you know, it's almost at nausea, but, if, if we talk about it, I think what I, what I also see in people is with this loss of so many restrictions, so many things that they want to be doing, if they remember to go back to the present, to look after what's here and now, to be with the people that they love, and, you know, creating things that you can do versus can't do. And I'm also curious, Heidi, what is the biggest surprising lesson 
that you learned from grief? Um, that grief also has some angels. Um, you know, you do lose friends, but I was grateful. I had some angels that just, and unexpected ones, you know, the people that I thought were going to be there, um, weren't and the people that, um, I, I had no idea. And they just showed up in, in such beautiful ways and just loved me. And, and long after the funeral, um, that's the hard part is so many people stick around for the funeral and then their life goes back to normal Well, the world keeps spinning. And for somebody who's grieving, their world is stopped. And so those people that were able to reach out and say, hey, I know it's December or, you know, March 27th, I'm sending you a hug. Um, it, it, it warmed my heart to know that they saw me. They saw that I was still aching, that I still hurt. And they acknowledge it. And they still do now. I still have people that reach out on, on the, you know, the anniversary, December 27th anniversary and say, I'm thinking about you, sending me a hug. It goes such a long way um, to be seen. And so many of us in everyday life, and I think that's why COVID impacts so many people is because we don't have the ability to just to go to the yoga class and be seen. We don't have those interactions and those connections. And as we move, as we all are moving through the, this grief of what it looks like if schools get closed and jobs are back at work, you know, mandatory work from home and you know, people want to be seen and um, they ha we have to find new ways to do that. And, you know, I, even, even when we did the return, I always say return to office, not return to work because many people have been working harder than they did at home than at home than they did at the office. But I think even teams coming back to the office were grieving, trying to figure out what that was going to look like because people got used to that normal of being at home and juggling kids and family and and life in a different way and so we've moved through grief a couple of different times through COVID and and all of it is just like how do I make this work it doesn't feel good and because grief comes with so much uncertainty and so much anxiety and it isn't just a, I'm sad or I miss that person there's lots of other emotions that come with it it, it can be difficult to navigate yeah and I, you know, one of the things I think about, you know, unless people have gone through it, there's only so much of through your lens that you can truly understand what someone's going through until you've been in their shoes, whether it be a loss of a child, a loss of a spouse, loss of a job, loss of an opportunity um, to really, how, how can people be more compassionate and empathetic when maybe they haven't gone through that same experience? One is, you know, one of the things that we do naturally in our world is we compare. And so avoiding those comparisons. So, you know, I, I know in the early few weeks after Mike passing, somebody looked at me and said, I understand grief, I went through divorce. And yeah, that is a grief, but it is not the same. And, you know, just avoiding those, avoiding sharing your story um, until it's until somebody else can feels like they've been seen and heard. Just to embrace them and let them be makes such a big difference. Um, so avoiding our grief stories, and I think a lot of us do that. We often say, "Hey, I understand. My dog died, or Hey, my 92-year-old grandma died. Um, I get it." Um, I heard a lot of grief stories in my first year of Mike passing. 
And I understand why people did it. It wasn't with malicious intent. It was because that, that was their way of trying to connect because nobody's taught them how to grieve. And I think a lot of them had unprocessed grief where they were like, kick the door open, let's both talk about it. And I was like, no, no, I, I can't do that today. Yeah. Um, but I think too that um, we can, we also have the ability just to see people and say, hey, I see you. I see that you hurt and, and be okay with that. And, and it might be a messy hurt. I know I, I sat for lunch with a friend once and it was about 11 months after Mike died. And I was really anxious. I had, I had all my first really quickly after Mike died. I had my first birthday without Mike. I had my first New Year's without Mike. And I had his first birthday before I even had his funeral. Wow. And so that first, like that one year mark was really, I was super anxious. And I was meeting with a friend and I just cried. And we were in a restaurant and I was, it was not a pretty cry. And he just sat there and let me cry. He didn't try to fix me. He didn't say, don't cry. Don't be sad. He just let me be. And that's such a beautiful gift. You know, a lot of us say that, please don't cry. I don't like to see you cry. You're going to make me cry. And it's like, sometimes you just, somebody needs to witness that pain. And sometimes it's just like, hey, thanks for honoring me and letting me carry that a little bit for you. And I believe that when somebody shares their grief with you, it's secret, sacred space because they've trusted you and they just need you to hold it a little bit. I also avoid trying to tell a griever that they're strong because they sure didn't try. They didn't go to the gym and get strong on this one. They didn't choose to. I often say that they're brave and courageous because it's really hard when you've lost somebody in those early days, weeks, and months to get out of bed. And so I always say they're courageous and I always say, wow, like, thank you for showing up the best that you can um, because it takes a lot of grace to do it. And it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability. And um, when people are willing to be vulnerable with you, they let down that armor. I, I mean, I armored up a lot of days to get through them. But when I let down that armor, armor, armor with people, it made such a big difference because I could actually be seen and they could see that his, his loss hurt me and that I, how much he meant to me. And I believe that grief is love. And when, there, when there's deep grief, it's because there is deep love. And, you know, I don't want to just put that in a box and pretend like it didn't happen and let my life carry on. And that's what many grievers want. They still want to find a place for their, their loved one to be with them. You know, I just, I think the greatest thing that you've shared with us is honoring the griever by letting them put the armor down and really not coming in there to fix things. Because I think for the person being with them, the reason they want to, oh, well, I'll make it better is because they don't want to be in that discomfort. But it's just like the power of the pause. The greatest healing can be when we just stop and let it, let it all happen. Yeah. Versus, no, 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 you, you can't do that. Just let it flow, just like your friend did, you know, holding that space for you. How powerful that can be for someone who is in the grieving process, but also what a gift for the person who holds the space to acknowledge and carry that burden, that weight for such a, such a time. And uh, yeah, that's, it's profound when, you know, when you really sit back and think about it. 
it really shows the beauty in, in grief when we can do it together. Mm-hmm. Love is not meant to be done in isolation. Love is meant to be done in, in connection and grief is love. And when somebody can reach out and say, hey, I've lost my person and I just need somebody to help me hold this space. It really is a beautiful, beautiful time. And it is sacred to me. To me, the people that I've shared with are, are angels in my world and I'm grateful for each one of them. And I'm grateful that for those that have shared their grief stories with me, that they, they trust me enough to do that um, because there's lessons there. Right? I get to hear legacies. I get to hear people's stories of how they've made a difference. And I think that's a beautiful gift, right? Where we don't get to acknowledge that as often as we'd like, I don't think, in our society. What would you tell someone who held the space and they might be okay with that part, but when it's unraveled, the tears are dried, now what? To be able to say thank you and say, I'm here, please. You know, the hard part is many of us, we say, please call if, if I can do anything. And a griever in those deepest, darkest moments of grief does not have the capacity to pick up the phone oftentimes. And so it's, it's sometimes getting specific. It's sometimes saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to the grocery store. Can I get some groceries for you? Um, or why don't a group of us come over and help with the yard work and get really specific. Hey, it's snowing. We're going to pop over and shovel your snow. Um, it makes such a big difference. Um, or, or even just asking, can we come over and shovel your snow? Maybe somebody loves shoveling their snow. It, <laughs> I don't <laughs> I love the sunshine, but, you know, asking, Hey, can we do these specific things? And they can say yes or no. Um, it's tax time. Do you need some help moving through some of that paperwork? Yeah. Um, please let me know if you want some help moving through packing up stuff when you're ready. And that ready could be the day after that ready could be years later it nobody there's no timeline on that one um avoiding questions like when are you going to start dating again when are you going to fall, fall in love again when are you going to move your wedding ring um you know all of those questions really just allow somebody to feel judged mm-hmm. but just moving through that space and saying thank you for hold like thank you for trusting me and i want to be here for you so i I would like to work with you to see what works best for you and how I can best support you. You know what else I, I was just thinking about is we, we were talking about relationships and you said, you know, some relationships, they ended, some shifted, some changed because people don't know what to do. And, you know, now, you know, all different types of grief, that you've experienced and with being an educator, I'm sure you've heard tons of stories that when people don't hear from someone, that they don't go into a place of taking it personally. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I, I, I'm sure it's a default for some of well, how come I don't hear from them anymore? Don't they care? Especially when you're moving through the grief, you could we have lots of things that come to mind. You know, the hard part too, is that oftentimes those close people that were around you also knew your person. And so they are moving through their own grief. You know, you look at parents that are grieving, oftentimes they grieve differently as well. And we often see that with kids with disabilities or 
parents that have had a miscarriage or stillborn or a child death, both parents move through that grief completely differently. And um, that can be really hard. And so all of a sudden, I mean, I've seen it even in relationships where they're like, my wife cannot be there for me, or my husband is not there for me the way I need them to be. Um, and so one, you have to acknowledge that the people around you may be grieving or not grieving, may not be processing the grief. Um, and two, oftentimes we, we say, I was always there for them. Why aren't they here for me now? Mm-hmm. And, and we have to know that that exchange isn't always between those two people. And that's where angels come in. And that's when other people step in. Um, and that's a beautiful piece of grief. You know what? Those people step back and it hurt. I'm not going to lie. I had some really close people to me that I thought were going to be there and they weren't. But the people that did step in were, were so beautiful. You know, my friend Jody, she stepped in and she was such a gift in so many ways. And, and, and long term, like it was just a gift for me. And, and, and I didn't expect it at all. I had no idea. Like we were friends. I knew her quite but I mean, I didn't see her or talk to her regularly. And, but it was just like, she just showed up and it was just such a blessing for me. And so it was really easy to focus on what I didn't have in that moment. But looking back now, I I really focus on what I did have because there are some really great gifts there. So, um, that's some of the things I would suggest to a graver is one, realize the people around you are processing a grief and a loss as well. And they process grief differently than you do. And, and also the fact that I changed, I wasn't the same person I was, and I never will be that person before Mike died. I, I can't, he changed my life that much. It was profound. And so I'm not the same person. And so they don't have the person that they want. They've lost me as well. And, um, so they've, they've gone through almost two griefs, right? Like they lost Mike and they lost me. And so I have to acknowledge and, and be responsible for that as well and see that. So in those early days, weeks and months, it's hard. Um, but looking back, that's what I saw. Um, I always just, my heart always goes out to the people that don't have a big support network. I do have a big support network. So I was grateful for that. But there's many people that have a really tight knit small support network and also when they disappear it's like where do I belong um and there's lots of people that have other losses there's lots of widows that quickly move into poverty right the house is in the husband's name or they're not legally married or you know the estate is set to the children from a previous marriage and all of a sudden they're left with homeless without cars like without anything and so they're going through even that additional grief and loss as well. So it, it, there can be significant loss. And then on top of that, I also acknowledge with um, people is the world of cell phones, as much as they're a gift in loss, they can be really hard. You know, you can pick up a phone after somebody's died and realize they aren't the person that they were, that you thought they were. You know, there are people that are grieving the loss of my husband um, had a multiple affairs. I just was chatting with a lady who was married for 35 years and she found out that her husband was a pedophile. She had no idea. And so, you know, when we move through some of these losses and when we see people, we also have to acknowledge the fact that we don't always know what they're going through. There's a lot of details that go unspoken. Yeah. And 
so we just have to be gentle and graceful and, and acknowledge that they're hurting. And it's not for us to judge what that hurt should look like, because we don't always know what's causing the hurt. Heidi, you talked about having courage, being courageous. What helped you become courageous every single day? Um, a lot of times in grief, people will say you need to move forward because your person wouldn't want you to live this way. And I find that that is a statement that um, is laden with guilt. And there's enough guilt in grief and a lot enough regret in grief. And I don't I don't love that statement. Um, so I flip it. And I always think if I was to die first, would I want Mike to have this? And if I believed that I'd want Mike to have it, then I believe I'd want it too. Um, and so that's how I chose to move forward is if I wanted him to have this, then I, I need to do that too. I need to move forward. I need to, I wasn't willing to let his legacy be a, a loss because I withered up and died too. And I know that I could have very easily, I could have just curled up and said, no more. I, I've done I've done my work. I, I did everything I was supposed to do. I let somebody in and love me and I love them back. And now look at me. Mm -hmm. I could have very easily gone there, but I, I knew that if I did that, then that's part of his legacy too. And I wasn't willing to let that happen. I wasn't willing to let somebody go, Hey, like we lost Mike and then Heidi dropped off the face of the earth. And that's, that's not okay for me. And so I really chose to lean in and support myself and, and embrace some of the beauty in grief and embrace and acknowledge some of the, the deficits in our society and change this narrative around grief. Because um, we could keep doing what we're doing. We could keep sending grievers to counselors and coaches and support programs. And we all still feel like we're missing the mark. I have so many people that say, I don't know what to say. And I feel awkward and, you know, and they wanted to do better. They've just never been given the tools. And so when I have these conversations with people, like, they're like, thank you. Thank you. Cause I, I didn't know what to say. And that makes sense. Or I even had a lady, I was in a clubhouse room the other day. And I, I said the how's today rather than how are you? And she goes, when my mom died, everybody kept asking. And I didn't really realize how much that I knew that question bothered me, but you put the words into the place. You put the words to it as to why it bothered me. And she's like, you're right. I wasn't okay. I wasn't fine. I wasn't good. And she goes, and now I know that I need to change that phrase. People want to do better. They don't say these things maliciously. It's just, we've never been taught. It's not talked about. Yeah. I, I really appreciate how I think we can all move forward, changing our language and saying, how is today? Because we do, we are a human being that varies from day to day. And we shouldn't expect that someone's always going to be uppity, uppity or down. Yeah, changing the narrative to how's today, because we are human beings and we vary from day to day. We're not always uppity, uppity or in the low parts. We are just moving with life. You know, sometimes there's harmony. Sometimes there's a bit of struggle. And often that struggles when we're learning something about ourselves. And thank you for teaching us to be courageous. Thank you for teaching us of what to say and what not to say. And thank you for just showing up every day. My friend, I am totally blessed to know you. 
And uh, I've so enjoyed our conversation today. And as with all interviews, I have a few more questions to ask you, but most of all, how can people stay in touch with you? Uh, follow my Lean Into Grief page on Facebook. So Lean Into Grief. Um, I'm also on Instagram as well as Clubhouse. I do a number of rooms in my Lean Into Grief club on legacy, what to say and not to say. I even do rooms on loneliness. Uh, we did a beautiful room on Saturday night just on loneliness. I kind of was like feeling lonely and I was like, hey, I can't be the only one. So let's have a conversation about it. And, you know, I just, I follow my heart and I put those rooms out there. The conversations I find on Clubhouse are pretty rich. And so I love seeing how people are embracing some of the conversations. I'm learning Instagram, so there's no videos or anything yet, but Facebook does have some videos where I try to just do a lean in tip based on a topic that doesn't fit in quite the little one quick square picture. So feel, feel free to follow me there. And my website, HeidiDunstan.ca. And uh, you can click on Lean Into Grief and download a free toolkit on how to lean into grief and support others. Beautiful. And I'll have that all in the show notes. Heidi, what is one book that has really impacted your life and how you choose to live? Oh, just one. Um, I know. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've read many in my day. Um, if you're looking for a strong grief book, Megan Devine's It's Okay to Not Be Okay is a great gift, uh, great book. Um, another great gift, our great grief book is the uh, Grief Recovery Handbook. And that's a great tool as well in terms of some of the things that just we need to dispel about, about grief. Um, and, and then in life, I have a list, so I can't give you one, Deborah. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> and most of all, what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? You know what? It's, it's to be compassionate for others. It's to, to step in and, and be okay in those uncomfortable places and to be able to see people where they're at. When we can lean in and support each other, it will truly allow us to grieve with grace and connection. And that's all we want is, is to be seen, good, bad, and ugly. Thank you so much. Um, these conversations, these deep conversations are, are always stimulating to my brain. <laughs> Um, I know I'll have many questions for you after this conversation. And uh, at some point, I'm sure we'll bring you back on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Deborah. It's a pleasure. And I really, really appreciate the fact that people are open and willing to do something different. Absolutely. Now, everyone, everything will be in the show notes so you can connect with Heidi Dunstan and really tap into those losses or understanding your own grief process or the people around you. You never know how just saying how's today can change someone's life. I'd also love for you to go over to my website at www.debrakazowski with an S D E B R A K A S O W S K I.com where you, right now you can get your three-part video course of making habits stick put some focus and consistency so you can knock those goals and dreams out of the park. Now, we would love for you to snapshot this episode, tag us in, the, in your post, in your stories, and we'll be happy to share it in our story as well. Hit the bell, subscribe, and write a review. Thank you for joining us here on The Millionaire Woman Show. As Mahama Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. 
And on behalf of Heidi and myself, go out and make today great.